This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, although we're now in December and warm temps, let's take a trip up north to be with Sergeant Preston and his husky dog, Yukon King, and the episode that was first aired in 1949, Adventure in Selkirk. Now, as gunshots echo across the windswept, snow-covered reaches of the wild northwest, Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice, the breakfast cereal shot from guns, present the challenge of the Yukon. It's Yukon King, swiftest and strongest lead dog of the Northwest, blazing the trail for Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police in his relentless pursuit of lawbreakers. On King, on you huskies! Gold, gold discovered in the Yukon, a stampede to the Klondike in the wild race for riches. Back to the days of the gold rush. With Quaker puffed wheat, and Quaker Puff Rice, bringing you the adventures of Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog, Yukon King, as they meet the challenge of the Yukon. They're going over like a house of fire. Yes, collecting official challenge of the Yukon dog picture cards is the big thing these days. But here's a warning. Don't be left out. Today's the last day we can tell you about the great new offer made by Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice. Listen for full details in just a few minutes. Summer had come to the Yukon, and most of the men who had gone to that vast territory to make their fortune in gold were busy working their claims or conducting various types of business in order to profit as much as possible before the long winter months returned. But the two men who rode the trail from Elk Creek to Selkirk had other ideas about how to gain some of the riches of the Northwest country. Prospectors have been going to the bank in Selkirk during the last month with their take bill. It'd be a good time to strike. Yeah, I know. We gotta be sure we'll succeed. First, we gotta check on the fact that the constable is away from town like we heard he was. Uh, you heard right, Bill. Fact is, I sent an Eskimo to tell the constable there was trouble at Fort River. Since he's the only Mountie in Selkirk right now, he went up there yesterday. Yeah, that was smart of you, Joe. Uh, when do we pull the bank robbery? We'll soon be there, and it's already afternoon. We go into the bank about supper time when there aren't so many people in there. And we'll be far away before that mounty the constable gets back. So let's hurry a bit. Get up! Get up! Get up! Get up. 
It was supper time in Selkirk, and there were only a couple of prospectors in the bank when the two crooks, Joe and Bill, reined up outside. Oh, oh, oh. oh. All right, Bill. This is it. What can I do for you, mister? Reach. This is a holdup. All right. Get your hands up. Move back there. I got the others covered. Come out from behind that counter and line up with the others. Hurry up. Yes, sir. Get back. Watch him, Bill. I'll go back at the counter and put those sacks of gold in this carpet bag. Hurry up, Joe. All right. All right, move back. Get your hands up. Don't try anything. All right. All right, I got the gold. Let's get out of here. What's going on here? You can't do this. Get out of my way, you. Let's go, Bill. Come on. I'm ready. That evening, Sergeant Preston, with the great dog King, arrived in Selkirk and went to the cafe in search of the constable. Hold oh, there, hold oh, on. Easy. One King. Hi there, Sergeant. Hello, Ned. You seen anything of Constable Kinsey? Oh, he's out of town. Just when he's needed, too. Needed. What do you mean? We had a bank hold up here in town. Happened about summertime. They got away with several thousand dollars in gold. I see. Maybe you could do something about it. I'll do what I can, Ned. Thanks for the information. Let's go, King. <laughs> Easy, fella. Steady now. Get up there. Leaving the cafe, Sergeant Preston rode to the bank to get further information about the holdup. After getting a description of the crooks, Joe and Bill, from the banker and the bank teller, Preston learned that the holdup men had worn handkerchiefs over the lower part of their faces. The Mountie knew it would be difficult to pick up their trail, since so many had gone in and out of the bank. I'm glad you came to town, Sergeant. I've heard great things about you and that dog of yours. Thanks. It gives me hope that those crooks will be caught. I understand your dog is wonderful at following the trail of criminals. King does his best, don't you, fellow? But uh, though King knows the scent of the man he's trailing, he can't very well follow it. So many people have come in and out of here since that holdup, it's impossible to pick up the scent. Then there's no way King can get after them? If he were given the scent from something one of the crooks wore or held in his hand, then King could follow it even through the crowded street. Well, then this bandana ought to help. Huh? Found just outside the front door after they left. I'm sure one of them dropped it, Sergeant. Now we have something. I'll take that. It'll give King the scent of the man who dropped it. Come along, King. Good luck, Sergeant. Once outside the bank, Preston held the bandana out to King. The intelligent dog sniffed for a moment. Then Preston spoke. Find him, King. Find him, fellow. King stood for a moment, and then he started along the main street until he came to a space between two buildings into which he turned. Then he stopped and sniffed the air. Hmm, they mounted horses here. I can see the hoof marks. Come along, King. I'll get my horse, and we'll come back here and go on from this point. A short time later, Sergeant Preston mounted his horse, and he and King returned to the place where the crooks had mounted. Steady. Easy now. Once more, the Mountie held out the bandana for King to catch the scent. And then he spoke. All right, fella. Find him. Find him, King. Get up there. Meantime, the crooks, Joe and Bill, had ridden many miles from Selkirk to a settlement called Bear Creek. 
They stopped a short time for food and rest. Then they continued on a short distance until they reached a branch trail. Joe called a halt. Ho, 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 What are we stopping for, Joe? See that branch trail, Bill? Sure. But we better push on toward Whitehorse. If the constable gets back and should happen to get on our trail somehow... I don't think he can pick up our trail. But if he does, he'll naturally think we're heading for Whitehorse. That's why I want to take this branch trail. Well, where does it lead? Goes over to Mile Creek. From there, we can double back to Selkirk. Back to Selkirk? Are you crazy? <laughs> no. No, just smart, Bill. Think a minute. Well, I am thinking, but I, I still don't get it. Well, Selkirk is the last place they think of looking for us. We already covered our trail by riding in the shallow creek back a ways. Even bloodhounds couldn't follow our trail after that. Say, maybe it is a good idea to go back to Selkirk at that. Sure it is. The town's crowded and fairly big. We can put up at some place along the waterfront till I get the boat from Dawson City. And we'll get on it and leave. Now, let's get going. Get up! Get up! A few hours later, Sergeant Preston and King reached the branch in the trail beyond Bear Creek. Their progress had been slowed somewhat when they had reached the place where the crooks had taken to the shallow creek to cover their trail. But to an intelligent, well-trained dog, it made little difference, since the man's scent hung in the air, gradually settling on the foliage along the creek bank as it drifted in the slight breeze. When they reached the branch trail, King stopped a moment, sniffing the air. Sergeant Preston reined to a halt. Oh, there. Oh, now. The way you're acting, King, looks as though they've turned off on the branch trail. In that case, I'd say they were heading back to Selkirk. All right, King, go on, boy. Up there. Arriving in Selkirk again, Bill and Joe rode along the waterfront until they came to a cheap hotel. They left their horses in the stable back of the building, then went inside and spoke to the clerk, who knew them by sight. Hi, Bill. Haven't seen you and Joe around in the past 24 hours. We've been on a little trip, Dave. Uh, tell me, do you happen to know if the constable got back to town? Yeah, yeah, he got in this morning. He, uh, come here asking questions because of that bank robbery. Yeah, but I didn't know anything to tell him. Every time anything happens in this town, he comes here first, so I'm used to it. You didn't say anything about us, did you? You know I didn't. I protect our customers. Oh, your, your same room is waiting for oh, you. Oh, thanks, Dave. Come on, Joe. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah? Maybe uh, it'd interest you to know another man who came to town last night. Hmm? Sergeant Preston, that dog of his. Sergeant Preston? I thought he was in Dawson City. All I know is he come here last night, and he and his dog took out after those bank robbers. Thought you might like to know. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Let's go to our room, Bill. Joe, I don't like what I heard about Preston at all. Uh, stop being nervous. But I heard about that big dog of his and how he can follow a trail. I forget we were smart enough to break our trail by riding in that creek. Anyhow, how's Preston or that dog going to know which trail to follow? Lots of people walked in and out of that bank and rode their horses away from Selkirk, too. Just the same, I don't think he'd have left town if he didn't think he had something to go on. Well, worrying about it won't do any good. I think we ought to find someone leaving here with a boat today instead of waiting for the river packet. Yeah, we could do that. 
Look, there's a barge belonging to the Yukon Mining Company that docked here with mining equipment last week. I noticed yesterday it was about ready to leave. I met the skipper. I know we could arrange to go with him. Then let's go talk to him now. We can go out the back way so Dave won't know we left the hotel. Come on. A short time later, after leaving the waterfront hotel by the back way, Joe and Bill went to the dock where the barge was moored. Let's go, boys. I'm not exactly, Skipper. Coming to make a deal with you about going along. Well, we're moving out at noon. The tug's already got up steam. Can you be ready to leave then? We're ready right now. How much for both of us? <laughs> well, since I suspect you're running out on the law and I've taken a chance, it'll be $100 easy. All right, we'll pay it. And gold. Yeah. Let's go to your cabin now. Give it to you. <laughs> we're running out on the law, right? Like you said, Skipper. And believe me, that Mountie and his dog will have a tough time trailing us from now on. We'll continue our story in just a moment. Fellas and girls, we're sure you will agree with Sergeant Preston when he says... I feel that every boy and girl should love and understand dogs. And you should recognize and know the different kinds of breeds. Dogs are truly man's best friend. So, fellas and girls, listen carefully. Today is the very last time we can tell you how to take advantage of the wonderful new offer made by the swell-tasting breakfast cereal shot from guns. Simply go to your grocer, ask for Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice. Inside each package, you get two different challenge of the Yukon dog picture cards. That's two trading cards, each different in each package. And they're yours at no extra cost. These cards are made specially for you. They're like regular trading cards, stiff back, and have the same shiny, glossy finish as game cards. They come only with wheat or rice shot from guns. And these cards feature actual full-color Kodachrome photographs of real dogs, many champions of their breed. These cards are brand new, different, true to life. There are 35 different ones in all. Think of all the different kinds of dogs you can collect. Imagine owning a collection that includes the world's biggest dog. The world's smallest dog. The world's fastest dog. And best of all, there's Sergeant Preston's wonder dog, Yukon King. Yes, you can get an exciting trading card of King, the real King himself. On the back of each card, Sergeant Preston gives you a description of the dog. These cards give you valuable information about which dogs learn tricks easily or are good watchdogs. Just remember, you must hurry. Grocer's supply of these dog picture trading cards is limited. Don't wait. Today, ask for Quaker puffed wheat or Quaker puffed rice. You'll find not one, but two cards, each different, inside each package. They're yours at no extra cost. And they come only with Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice. Get both delicious kinds. You'll get four cards right off. Start a swapping club. Save, trade, collect these dog picture cards. Start today. Now to continue our story. Hearing that Sergeant Preston and King had left Selkirk the night before to trail them, the two crooks, Joe and Bill, who had doubled back to Selkirk, made arrangements with the skipper of a barge to sail with him. It was almost noon when Sergeant Preston and King arrived at the waterfront hotel and entered. 
Hi, Sergeant. Looking for somebody? Yes, I am. Two men, one tall, black hair, and the other heavyset and redheaded. Uh, sorry. Don't have anybody here that answers that description. Sure of that? Positive. Uh, what do you want them for? Robbing the bank yesterday? <laughs> Seems to me you're wasting your time hunting for them bank robbers here in town. I'd say they lit out for someplace far from here. I have reason to believe they're here in town, and what's more, here in this hotel. Oh, I don't know what gave you that idea. My dog went down that corridor. What is it, King? Oh, wait a minute, Sergeant. I told you there's no man like those here. Oh, so you trailed him to this room, eh, fellow? I can't let you disturb the guests in that Stand room. Stand back that... and keep quiet. You've said too much already. All right in there. Open up in the name of the Queen. Yes, maybe they're out. You want to know if they're out? Try the door. Wait, King. I have a gun. Come out quietly or I'll come in for you. Yeah. You don't seem to be in there. I'll find out. Come on, King. You're right. They aren't here. Closet's empty. They came here today and then moved out. Moved out? Why, the dirty cheats, they owe me two weeks' rental. Oh? But I, I I didn't see them leave. I've been on duty out front ever since they come in this morning. And the men I want were here, eh? Lied to me, didn't do it. Well, I... I, I out of sergeant, it was only because I didn't want trouble in the hotel, you Shut see. up. I ought to run you in for trying to obstruct the law. Find them, King. Find them, fella. <laughs> King's turning to the back door. So that's how they went out. I hope you catch him so I can get my money. I'll catch him sooner or later. You'll have to put in a claim for your money. All right, fella. I'll come open that back door for you. Running to the front of the hotel, Sergeant Preston mounted his horse and followed King, who was going toward the docks. Steady, fella. Easy. Get up there. Great dog King unerringly headed for the dock where the barge had been moored. As he approached, Preston heard the whistle of the tugboat that was pulling the barge away from the dock. As Preston ran toward the edge of the dock, he realized that the barge was out of hailing distance and headed upriver toward Dawson City. He stood for a moment watching. I know, fellow. I'm sure they're on that barge. We'll get them yet. Come along, King. Steady, hold on. Easy. Up there. A few minutes later, Sergeant Preston and King stopped in front of the constable's office. Oh, there. One King. Well, Sergeant Preston and King. Heard you'd come to town. We're trying to trail that bank robber. We were trailing them, Jack. I know where they are right now. Where? They're on the barge that just left the dock and is headed up river, pulled by a tug. Are you sure? I'm positive. King trailed them back here to Selkirk, and by the time he followed the trail to the dock, the barge was well out in the river. What are you going to do? Telegraph to Dawson City? We'll do that, yes, just in case. But I think they're too smart to go to Dawson City. I'll disembark before they reach there. Now, uh, get your horse ready while I send a telegram and meet me and we'll ride up river after that barge. I may need your help. All right, be ready to leave in ten minutes. Good. One king. After sending the telegram to Northwest Mounted Police Headquarters in Dawson City, Sergeant Preston and King joined the constable. Then they started along the river trail. Since those crooks don't realize we know they're on that barge, they won't expect us to ride along the river after them. That's right. Otherwise, they might try to outsmart us by getting ashore on the other side or something like that. Surprising to me how you and King have managed to trail them like you have. Credit for that goes to King. 
I won't be satisfied until we take those men into custody. I feel the same way about that. What worries me is that when we catch up to that barge, how are we going to go aboard if they don't make a stop? Well, think about that when the time comes, Jack. We'll find a way to get aboard, don't worry. Only stop before Dawson's at Indian Creek. Might be that the men we're after will leave the barge at that place. We'll catch up to the barge before it reaches Indian Creek. The tugboat that's towing it's fairly slow. We haven't had much of a head start. That's true. What's King getting excited about, I wonder? I guess he's sighted the barge. Yes, there it is, just ahead. Let's hurry and get alongside it. Get up there! Get up there! Get Meantime, in the skipper's crude cabin aboard the barge, Joe and Bill sat talking to the skipper and his wife, Mamie. Well, I guess we're well on our way, eh, skipper? Yep, we put in at Indian Creek this evening. That's uh, where you can get off if you want to. You said you didn't want to go to Dawson City. That's right. We waited Indian Creek for the river packet. What are you two men been up to, anyhow? I don't like for my husband to get mixed up in anything that might get us into trouble, Bill. Oh, never mind, Mamie. I'm the one that makes the arrangements about who rides on this barge, not you. Maybe so, but you better watch who you do take aboard. Someday you might find yourself sitting in jail ashore. (laughs) Ah, Mamie, there's nothing for you to worry about. We just want to get away from someone who's got it in for us, that's all. When we get to Indian Creek, you'll be rid of us. Well, that's all right with me. Well, I'm going to go on deck and get me some fresh air. Since we started coming here to the Yukon, that husband of mine's met up with a lot of men that don't do it uh, any go good. Go on, Dick, and let us be. They paid us in gold for this trip, didn't they? We sure did. Uh, two hundred in gold. In gold, eh? Huh. Where did two fellas like you get that much gold? I bet you never worked a claim in your life. Now, look, Mamie, beat it like the skipper says. I don't aim to sit here and be insulted. Ha! Ah. Take more than that to insult you. <laughs> well, I'll leave you right now. As Mamie stepped on the deck of the barge, she walked to the rail and looked at the near shore casually. Then, hearing a dog bark, she focused her eyes on the shore trail. <laughs> Looks like a big wolf running along the shore trail. He's sure a bold one to come. He's big two horsemen following behind him. Why, they're mounted. I can see the red coat. Well, they must be trailing somebody. Hey, Skipper. Want to get a look at a couple of mounties? Uh, mounties? They're riding the trail right opposite the barge on the near shore. A couple of mounties, you say? Hold me back, would you? Somehow they get wise we're on this barge. I knew you two been up to something. Keep your mouth shut, Mamie. This is my business. Hey, Mamie's right. There they are. Sergeant Preston, there's that big dog of his. Be able to stop it in the creek now. You gotta figure some way to get off the barge. Are you crazy? How are we gonna get off without a boat? Yeah, you can go over the side, the offside, so they won't see you. Swim for it. <laughs> this gun says that's what you're gonna do. Like Mamie says, we don't want trouble with the law. Now look, put up that gun. I can't swim for one thing. And for another, I don't intend to. Oh, oh. my leg! Quick oh. on, Bill. You uh, shot my husband. Help! Help! Shut up, you. We're running this barge now. Get back into that cabin. Those Mounties got another thing coming if they think they'll get us. Meantime, on the shore trail, Sergeant Preston and Jack, the constable, rode along keeping their eyes on the barge. They saw Mamie when she first came to the rail and left. Then, when the men appeared, Preston spoke. Look, Jack, three men are at the rail now. Yeah, seem to be looking this way. Something's happened. That shot was on the barge. Yes, it was. 
Bowman's yelling for help. Yes. Let's try to head to that point. The barge will pass close and we can get there before they see what we're up to. What can you do when we get there? King and I are going to swim out to that barge. Get up there! Get up there! Get up. Reaching the point, Preston and the constable drew raid. Hold there, hold on. I want to swim out with you. All right. We'll leave the horses here. Let's go. Gotta get our boots off. Tug just coming around the bend. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You sure to keep your gun, Doy? Let's go. Let's go, King. On board the barge, the two crooks had forced Mamie into the cabin. Then they carried the skipper in and put him on the bunk. Well, you want to fix him up, Mamie? Go ahead. You'll be sorry for this. From now on, you're staying in this cabin, Mamie, so as you can't signal the tugboat. As long as we're out in the river, we'll be safe for a while. Sergeant Preston, King, and the constable swam out into the river just in time to reach the side of the barge as it was passing. Preston grabbed a rope to trail over the side. You've got a hole in this rope. King, come here, fella. I'll get King aboard first. Let help. All right, King. Here, fella. Pulling himself partway up the rope, Preston clung by one hand and then reached down as Jack, clinging to the end of the rope, took hold of King and helped push him up. Between them, they managed to push King high enough so that the great dog got his front paws over the rail. Then King, with Preston pushing, went over onto the deck. Wait there, King. Wait. Let's go, Jack. Give me your hand, Sergeant. Now, easy, fella. Wait till we get our breath. There's King crawling. He's picked up the scent of the man we were following. All right, King. Find him, boy. Inside the cabin, Bill and Joe sat with drawn guns as Mamie sat on the edge of the bunk near her husband, the skipper. We're making good time. Yeah. What about those two Mounties we saw on the trail? We'll lose them somehow. Anyway, they might not be after us at all. We heard that Preston and his dog were trailing us, remember? Yeah, that's right. Oh, well. Don't go with me, Hey, it's a Mountie. Preston! I'll settle him. No, you don't. You won't take me, Mounty. While Preston's attention was momentarily taken with Bill, Joe had jumped to one side and raised his gun to shoot. But at that moment, King, sensing the danger, had sprung forward and with a leap grabbed Joe's gun out. Take him off! Get him away! Hunting, bellboy. Hey, Joe, move fast that time. These men shot my husband because we objected to them aboard. Yeah, that's right, Sergeant. They paid me 200 in gold to carry them on this trip. I got suspicious. Indian Creek's just a few miles upriver. I'll take these men off there. Yes, we can send someone for our horses, and we'll take these bank robbers to headquarters. Bank robbers, you say? So that's why they were skipping town, huh? Yes. And if you knew they were evading the law, we can take you to headquarters, too, for aiding in their attempt to hey, escape. Now, wait a minute, Sergeant. You've got to believe me. They, they told us they were just running out on someone who had a grudge against them. Did they, man? That's right. Huh? We didn't know until we saw you two mounted on a shore trail that they were skipping the law. I was suspicious of them, but we really didn't know. That's right. Well... All right, but you'll have to return the 200 in gold. That belongs to the bank. I, I don't see how you found us. King got your ascent from a bandana one of you dropped at the bank. And from then on, there was nothing that could stop him from finally catching up with you. You mean that dog trailed him everywhere and finally led you to this barge? That's right. Oh, King's sure a wonderful dog. <laughs> he acts almost human, Sergeant. Yes, he does, Jack. And if he could talk, I'm sure King would say he's glad. 
This case is closed. In just a moment, Sergeant Preston will give you a preview of Monday's adventure. It's now or never. Yes, this is the last time we can tell you how to collect official Challenge of the Yukon dog picture cards. Remember, you get not one, but two of these terrific new dog picture trading cards inside each package of Quaker Pup Wheat or Quaker Puff Rice. That's two cards, each different in each package. These keen, stiff-back cards feature beautiful color Kodachrome photographs of real dogs. You get King himself. <laughs> and these dog picture cards, 35 of them, are yours at no extra cost. Don't wait until it's too late. Hurry to your grocer before his supply is gone. Ask for Quaker Puffed Wheat and Quaker Puffed Rice. Get both delicious kinds. That way you'll get four different cards right off. So hurry, don't put it off another day. Listen Monday when Sergeant Preston and Yukon King meet the challenge of the Yukon in the case of the duel. When I was called to Hangman's Creek, I learned that two men had set out to fight a duel. It was to be a fake duel. I didn't know that death was waiting for one of the duelists in the form of a sniper's bullet. Death was lying in wait for me, too, and King was not at my side to warn me. Be sure to hear this exciting adventure Monday. These radio dramas, a feature of the challenge of the Yukon Incorporated, are created and produced by George W. Trendle, directed by Fred Flowerday, and supervised by Charles D. Livingston. The part of Sergeant Preston is played by Paul Sutton. They are brought to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the same time by Quaker Puffed Wheat... And Quaker Puffed Rice, the breakfast cereals shot from guns. Stay tuned for Jack Benny next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Well, Jack Benny is celebrating a birthday, and the whole gang is about to surprise the old cheapskate next on Theater of the Mind. The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens a program with San Diego Serenade. <laughs> One of the most significant things about Jell-O, ladies and gentlemen, is the fact that not only do many, many people serve Jell-O, but they serve it often. And the reason they serve it so frequently is because Jell-O does suggest itself for so many different occasions. For example, Jell-O is the first dessert you think of when you're pressed for time and want a quick yet delightful treat. Jell-O is the dessert you think of when there's a party to be planned because it's so colorful and swell tasty. And you turn to Jell-O when you want a luscious treat that's pleasantly inexpensive. Jell-O with its rich glowing colors and its unsurpassed flavor is the ideal answer to every dessert situation. So order a supply from your grocer tomorrow choosing any or all of Jell-O's six delicious flavors Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, or lime. And by the way, strawberry, raspberry, and cherry jello now have a new, improved flavor obtained by using a natural flavor base artificially enhanced. 
and the result is a distinctive goodness that you definitely do not want to miss. Try a glistening mold of rich, tempting jello tomorrow. by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, last Friday the 14th, which was Valentine's Day, was also the birthday of our master of ceremonies, Jack Benny, who was exactly... Yes, sir. ...years of age. <laughs> so tonight, we would like to reenact the events which occurred at Jack's house Friday evening. It was about 7 p.m., and a little group consisting of Jack, Mr. Billingsley, the boarder, and Mary, who had been dropped by to go to a movie, were seated around the dinner table. Let us eavesdrop, shall we? Oh, boy, there's nothing like eating at home, I always say. Uh, Mary, pass some of those extra fancy solid packs to tomatoes. Will you? Oh, stop building them up. Well, they're delicious. Take some more. I'm tired of tomatoes. Where's the meat? It's coming. Rochester, I'm taking Miss Livingston to a movie. So will you please hurry with that extra choice, eastern cut, prime ribs of beef. You mean that biggie little pot roast? <laughs> Never mind, bring it in it's a, pretty tough meat. it's a pretty tough piece of meat, boss I don't know if it's done yet Well, stick a fork in it I did and I can't get it out <laughs> well, Bring it in anyway Okay Say, Mary, aren't these nice dishes? Lovely pattern, isn't it? Yeah Is this a set you want at the Beverly Theater? <laughs> All but the soup tureen I got that at the Oriental Gee, these tomatoes are good. They're not seasoned enough. Uh, pass me that salt shaker. You want at Ocean Park. Here you are. And that wise guy said I couldn't break those balloons. <laughs> how, uh, how are you enjoying your dinner, Mr. Billingsley? Just fine, thank you. Good, good. This watercress is delicious. Uh, those are ferns, Mr. Billingsley. You're... <laughs> You're, uh, you're eating the centerpiece there. <laughs> hmm. Uh, say, Jack. What? Why is Mr. Billingsley wearing that fife and drum around his neck? That fife and drum? Yeah. Well, that's my fault. I told him we were having Yankee pot roast tonight. <laughs> oh, by the way, Mr. Billingsley, Miss Livingston and I are going to see a movie after dinner. Would you care to join us? No, thank you. I'm going to stay home tonight and get stiff. <laughs> Get stiff. I thought you didn't drink anymore. I don't. I'm going to sit in the icebox. Oh. Oh. Oh, I see. Here you are, folks. Make way for the pot roast. Mmm, that smells good. Did you get the fork out of it, Rochester? Only the handle. <laughs> you mean the prongs are still in the meat? Don't worry, boss. I put a band-aid there so you won't bite into them. That's very thoughtful of you. What do you want, Mary? A rare piece or an outside cut? Uh, give me the band-aid. That looks tender. <laughs> Watch out or you won't get any. Rochester, hand me the pot roast. Here you are. You think that... Whoa! 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 <laughs> whoa, my finger! The plate's kind of hot, boy. That's a fine time to tell me. <laughs> Never saw such a careless... Now, where the heck is the pot roast? There it is, up on the chandelier. <laughs> 
<laughs> on the chandelier? Well, I'll be darned. It's dripping on my drum. <laughs> well, move over a little. Rochester, you're so clumsy. Now go out in the kitchen and fix up a few cold cuts. We've got to eat something. Let's take some oranges and knock down the pot roast. <laughs> you can get a ladder and take it down later. Now bring in the cold cut. How would you like some genuine, boneless, skinless, imported Norwegian sardines? Packed in virgin olive oil. Bring them in, Rochester. <laughs> now, Mary, while we're waiting, have some more stewed tomatoes. A fine meal. Well, they're very good for you. They'll make you strong. I'm strong enough now to walk to a restaurant. <laughs> well, if you don't like the tomatoes, don't eat them. Will you pass the bread, please? <laughs> Billingsley, would you uh, would you like some butter too? I've never been there, but I hear it's lovely. <laughs> yes, yeah. What? Gee, that doesn't make any sense at all. Say, Mary, I've got an idea. Why don't we go to the movie and then eat later? Oh, Jack, I don't want to see Love Thy Neighbor again. <laughs> Getting so now, I can't even laugh at your love scene with Mary Martin. You're not supposed to laugh at that. Hey, Rochester, we're going to a movie, so never mind those sardines. I already opened them. Oh. Well, you can, you can eat them. I made some fried chicken for myself. <laughs> what? Rochester, this is only Friday, and I told you we're not having that chicken until Sunday. I'm having some people over at the house. The way it's been raining lately, the house might not be here Sunday. <laughs> Oh, don't be so panicky. It is raining kind of hard, but it's nothing to worry about. Then why did you build an ark? <laughs> I've got to have a hobby, don't I? Anyway, to hear you two talk, I think it was a regular flood or something. Well, all I know is the milkman arrived on a surfboard this morning. <laughs> That's Mr. Kahanamoku. He's a Hawaiian. <laughs> And another thing, I won't stand for anybody running down the California weather. Quiet, or I'll stick my fork in your water wings. You wouldn't dare. <laughs> Sister. <laughs> now, come on, Mary, we're going to the movies. Hey, boss, boss! What is it, Rochester? There's a big crowd of people coming up the front steps. A crowd of people? Open up! Open up! Come on, open up! What's going on here? You'll find out. Come on in, fellas. Surprise! A surprise birthday party Don, Dennis, and Phil Come on, kids One, two, four He's the jolly good fellow He's the jolly good fellow He's the jolly good fellow Which nobody can deny Hey, <laughs> whiz, fellas I can't get over Come on in and take your things off Come on, everybody Wipe your feet Come on, come on
fellas. I can't get over you guys surprising me like this. No kidding. You didn't think we'd forget your birthday, did you, Jackson? No, but gosh, all this fuss. Well, believe me, Jack, you've been so darn nice to the whole gang, you're entitled to it. Yeah, entitled. <laughs> Gee, I... I, I don't know what to say. I'm all choked up. This is really the last thing in the world I expected. You know, I was just sitting here getting ready to go to a movie, not even thinking about little me having a birthday party, and then you all barged in. Gee. Look, fellas, I'll just run down and see my picture and be back in 84 minutes. Back here. Oh, yes. I'm so excited, Mary. I don't know what I'm talking about. Then. Say, Mr. Benny, what's that up there on the chandelier? A pot roast, Dennis. It's a long story. <laughs> but don't worry about it, kid. A pot roast on the chandelier, and he tells me not to worry. <laughs> Forget it, will you? I'll have Rochester take it down a few minutes and make sandwiches. I just sent him to the store to buy some food. Oh. Did you give him any money? Uh-huh. I took $3 out of the sugar bowl. Mary, the sugar bowl is for laundry. <laughs> You want to buy groceries, you take the money out of the cookie jar. I tried to, and a cobra stuck his head out. That's my East Indian burglar alarm. Say, Don, what's that you're hiding behind your back? Well, Jack, uh, Mary, Dennis, Phil, and myself all chipped in and bought you a birthday present. And believe me, Jack, it comes right from the heart. A present? Doggone you guys. You'll have me bawling in a minute. You give it to me, I'll unwrap it. Hold it, Jackson. A speech goes with this, and I'm going to make it. Well... Mr. Benny, ladies and gentlemen, and members of the Minneapolis Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> Minneapolis Chamber of Commerce? I copied this out of a book. Forget that part. <laughs> okay, go ahead. It is with great pride, or make it pride, yeah, it is make with it great pride, pride yeah. and pleasure that I and my fellow colleagues... Polly, go ahead. Yes, presents you with this beautiful gift as a token of our loyalty, devotion, and gastronomical appreciation. <laughs> Here you are, Jackson. Here it is. Oh, Go right. Gee whiz, fellas, I know it's my birthday, but you... Gosh, you, you shouldn't have gone to all this. Uh, well, for heaven's sake, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> you like it, Jack? Oh, boy, just what I needed. A bicycle pump. <laughs> With a hose and all. Uh, which one of you heels suggested that? <laughs> well, we didn't know what to buy you, Jackson. You've got everything. Everything but a bicycle pump. Now I've got that. <laughs> oh, well. Thanks anyway, fellas. I'll wear it in good health. Rochester, there's someone at the door. I told you he went out for the groceries. Oh, yes, I'll answer. Probably another telegram. I've been getting them all day long. Hello, boss, it's me. Rochester, you've got a key. Why make me open the door? I just want to give you an idea what I go through. <laughs> Too bad about you. What'd you bring from the market? Well, I got some limes and lemons and grape juice for the punch. For the punch? Well, what are we going to have to eat? Boss, with the punch I make, people have been known to go for days without eating. <laughs> well, we still have to have food. If you can't find anything in the kitchen, run next door to Mr. Ronald Coleman. This is the day his cook makes popovers. Okay. Say, fellas, we'll have something to eat in a little while. In the meantime, let's play games or something. I'll call up some chorus girls and we'll play post office. <laughs> That's all we need, chorus girls and no food. 
Say, I'll tell you what, fellas. How about playing blind man's buff? Oh, that's All right, now look at, look at, look at. I'll be the blind man. Who's got a handkerchief? Just take off your glasses and we're all set. <laughs> oh, stop, will you? Have you got a handkerchief, Don? Well, I know a better game, Jack. Let's play Jell-O. Oh, fine. How do you play it? Well, uh, I'll take a lot of boxes of Jell-O and hide them all over the house. Uh-huh. And the first one that finds all six delicious flavors, strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime... Yeah? ...wins a $10 prize. Say, that's a swell game. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute, Don. Who puts up the 10 bucks? Well, uh, Jack, uh, it's your house. There'll be no gambling on the premise. <laughs> Take it easy, Jackson. The last time we played this game, it took us two hours to get your head out of the goldfish bowl. Oh, that's right. I know a swell game, Mr. Benny. It's called Clap Hands. What's that? Well, you folks sit down, I'll sing a song, and when it's all over, you all clap hands. It's a fine game. It's a little dull, isn't it, Dennis? It's better than getting your head caught in a goldfish bowl. Well, maybe you're right. Sit down, everybody. Dennis is going to sing for us. I want to play that game where I can win $10. Well, go on a quiz program and don't bother us. Go ahead, Dennis. Sing something. <laughs> Rochester, there's someone at the door. Maybe it's me again. Answer that door. <laughs> Sing, Dennis. He's the laziest person I ever met. <laughs> on the program. Uh, who was at the door, Rochester? It was a special delivery, boss. I gave it to Miss Livingston. Oh. Did you give the boy a tip? How could I? You keep the tip money in the glue pot. <laughs> well, I would have reimbursed you later. What's the letter, Mary? It's a comic valentine from New York. New York, eh? Well, I have a pretty good idea who it's from. 
Uh, what kind of a valentine did arsenic and old lace send me? <laughs> Read it. Uh, to a comedian. <laughs> uh-huh. Your eyes are blue, your hair is gray, and you're as dumb as Dennis Day. That's very funny. Yeah, very. <laughs> Wait till Alan gets the valentine I sent him. Somebody at the door, Rochester. How do you know I'm back with Mr. Coleman? I see you standing there. Now stop eating those popovers and answer the door. Okay. Doors, doors. I'd like to get a job working in a barrel. That's just silly. What could he do in a barrel? Always grumbling. Hey, boss, look who's here. Well, I'll be... Hey, fellas, look. Hiya, boss. Randy. Divine, we haven't seen you in six months. How did you happen to drop in? Well, Buck, I heard it was your birthday, so I thought I'd come over and surprise you. You certainly did. How old are you, Buck? Well, Andy, I'll, I'll never see 36 again. <laughs> Even on a clear day. <laughs> That's very cute, Andy. And where's my present? Your present? Yes. I got two of them, Buck. Ma sent you a jug of sweet cider. Uh-huh. And Pa sent you a jug of hard cider. Well, look at that. Two jugs. Which is which, Andy? There goes Pa's. <laughs> hey, look out. It's, it's, it's spilling all over the floor. Quick, get me a sponge and a pillow. <laughs> get away from there, Harris. What's the matter with you? Say, Andy, uh, you're putting on a little weight, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, ain't we? <laughs> Tell them, Andy, you're pretty sharp tonight. Sit down at the table, everybody. The food's ready. Oh, oh, take it easy. Take it easy. The plates are all fixed. Gee, two and a half sardines apiece. And lots of popovers. Dig in, kids. There's someone at the door, Rochester. I'm busy, boss. Answer that door. Yes, and be quick about it. Well, Andy, I'm sure glad you dropped in. I had no idea that you'd remember my birthday. As a matter of fact, I didn't oh, know... Oh, good evening. Come right in, Mr. Marshall. Yikes! Holy smoke, it's Herbie. Hello, everybody. Happy birthday, Jack. Well, thanks! <laughs> well, my good... Gee whiz, Herbert Marshall at my house. Quick, Mary, phone Luella Parsons. <laughs> She'll never believe it. Toner, anyway. Well, Bart, you're the last person in the world I expected to see on my birthday. You know, Mary and I were just... Oh, I'm sorry. This is Andy Devine. How do you do, Mr. Devine? I'm glad to know you, Mr. Marshall. You want to buy a horse? Andy, not now. Oh. As I decided to say, Bart, uh, Mary and I were just sitting here not even thinking of having company on my birthday. Stop looking at the package in his hand. <laughs> I'm not looking at it. Oh, yes, yes, the, um, the package. Here you are, Jack. A little remembrance. Many happy returns, old boy. A present for me? Gee, I feel like a darn fool. I, I didn't get a thing for you. <laughs> this, um, this is your birthday, not Christmas. Oh, yes. Yeah, what am I thinking of? Hey, Dennis, get Mr. Marshall a chair. Gee, I'm all thumbs opening this package. Here's a chair for you, Hubert. <laughs> Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, I, I can't seem to get this, this, this string untied. Stop shaking. Well, I'm so anxious. 
My name is Billingsley, Mr. Marshall. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> I'm glad to know you, Mr. Billingsley. Mr. Billingsley, sit down, please. <laughs> Darn this string. See, I tried to open this present. There, I got it. Well, thanks, Bart. Thanks a million. Hey, fellas, look. Look what he gave me. Look at these beautiful cufflinks. I mean, cufflinks. <laughs> Guys. Oh, look, God. Gee, 14 carats. Keepers, he looked already. Well, they're beautiful. By the way, Bart, what's in that other box? That's a gardenia. I, I brought it for Mary. Well. He's just like all the other fellas. He starts out with orchids, and now I'm now down to a gardenia. Quiet. <laughs> Very good, Mary. <laughs> then better if she hadn't mustard, Bart. <laughs> See, I... I can't... I can't get over these couplings. Thanks again, Bart. Thanks. I'm so glad you like my gift, Jack. You know, Jack... It's hard at the time to mention it, but I rather had the impression that you didn't like me. I didn't like you? Why, Bart, what do you mean? Well, I felt that you resented my taking over your program while you were in New York. I? <laughs> I resented me? Listen, fellas, did I ever say one word against this gentleman? <laughs> did I? You see, Bart, you're wrong. I regard you as one of my best friends. Ah, oh, you're full of complaints. <laughs> Mary, smell your gardenia. <laughs> well, Bart, Bart, won't you join us at the table? Yeah, sit down, Herbie, and have some chow. Thanks, I believe I will. Now, here's a plate, Bart, all thick. Well, two and a half sardines and a biscuit. Well, it's not much. I really must apologize. Not at all. This is fun. It's like being shipwrecked. <laughs> That's what we're having, a shipwreck party, you know? Yes, sir. Won't you have some of this punch, Bart? It's very good. Yes, have a cup, Bart. My, what a beautiful punch bowl. Yes, yes, it is. Ronnie Coleman's, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yes, it is, it is. We're very dear friends, you know. Oh, Rochester, bring your Mr. Marshall some tea. Tea, 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 tea. You'd like some tea, wouldn't you, Bart? Yes, thank you. Uh, how would you like it, Bart, with lemon or with irradiated, homogenized, vitamin D, evaporated milk? You can have either one. Uh, well, Jack, I think I'll just have some extra juicy, sun-ripened lemon. Oh, okay. Some tea with lemon, Rochester. Very good, sir. Hmm. Well, Andy... Andy, you never thought you were going to meet Herbert Marshall at my house, did you? Uh, gosh, no. I feel like a darn fool with no shoes on. <laughs> well, keep them under the table. Nobody will notice it. Uh, do, you, do you like the sardines, Bart? They're delicious. Oh, my goodness. Sardines and you haven't got a finger bowl. Oh, Rochester. Yes, boss. Bring in the finger bowl. We never had any. <laughs> Well, let's bring in Saucer. <laughs> bring him in. You'll, you'll have one in a minute, Bart. By the way, Jack, what's that hanging up there on the chandelier? <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a pot roast. <laughs> a pot roast on the chandelier? <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Weird custom, isn't it? <laughs> It's an accident. You see, Bart, 
I know it sounds fantastic, but the pot roast bounced up there, you know? Bounced? Yes, yes. You see, here's exactly what happened. I was just having a quiet little dinner at home, not expecting anybody to drop in, and my man Rochester brought in this hot plate, see? Well, I didn't know it was hot, and I grabbed for it. You see, the pot roast was on the plate, see? And the minute my fingers touched it, I threw it up in the air. Well, that's how it happened. It sounds silly, but that's the whole story. This is the last number of the 20th program in the Current Yellow series, and we will be with you again next Sunday night at the same time, broadcasting from Palm Springs, California. Palm Springs? Yes, sir. We're all going to have a little vacation. Say, Bart, would you like to come to Palm Springs with us? I don't think I'll be able to, Jack. I'm making a picture, you know. Oh. Well, if you can possibly make it, look us up. We'll be staying at the Cactus Blossom Auto Corps. <laughs> uh, good night, folks. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Lone Ranger, followed by The Great Gildersleeve. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.